Yep. hundred percent the same for me. It's like, okay, yep. Now I understand. Back to the yeah, top. Cause I can't, I just don't process in like the instructions and the rules without actually having context as to what's going on. Otherwise it's just saying words at me. So what you're saying is you're a visual learner. Uh, yes, which is ironic. Very, very <laughs> ironic. <laughs> <laughs> I've got very little time to learn things left. Uh, but uh, fortunately, I don't need to learn anything to host episode 79 of the Halcyon Frequency podcast. I'm blind and I'm hosting this week's episode on a Sunday. And uh, I'm, I'm joined by Arch Plays Stuff. How, how are you doing today, Arch? I am exhausted, but I'm well. I'm well. I've just been to the markets and gotten my my fruit and veggies, mostly veggies because fruits for people with, you know, money. Um but yes, I'm well. Glad to hear that you are well. Uh and uh speaking yeah. of people who I hope are also well, how are you doing today, Bloody Drongo? I'm good, good. I've had a, a pretty hectic little weekend, but I'm feeling more excited and inspired from it, more so than I feel tired, at least at the moment. But I'll, but I'm doing good. Hopefully, good kind of hectic and not bad kind of hectic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely the good uh, type of hectic for sure. That's that's kind of a funny thing because this is something that I've had to deal with all of my weekends are hectic now i actually have weekends mm. so like for context i've just started work that is full-time work with a commute into the city to do and it is so much different it is like a lot of work in getting in there my entire days during the week are taken like seriously just it blows me away i'm spending about an hour and 50 minutes on the commute every day Oof. yeah so yeah i i just i hit that weekend and i finally like you know i've got to do stuff and all of this and it's like mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah so my weekends have gotten incredibly hectic as well but not the good kind I've had a just the yeah. I have, but I mean, hours. congratulations on the new job. That's the oh yeah, yeah, the, the key takeaway. Yeah, that's, there, right? that's the main takeaway. There is congratulations on like existing in the realm of employment once again. Yes, I uh, I, I've had a extraordinarily hectic week in like the kind of the most bad sense. Like every, it's like everything has just kind of gone from bad to worse in like ways that I like don't even want to talk about on this podcast to a degree. Um, so it's just, it's been a lot of all over the place, but I get to pet sit for eight days starting tonight, which is both positive and negative. It's positive in that I get to have a fluffy white dog and a senile ancient history cat fossil wandering around my apartment. The bad news is Puppy has, uh, the, the, the dog, she has uh, panic attacks if you leave her alone in a place that she doesn't recognize. So I really get, don't get mm. to leave my apartment for eight days, <laughs> which I'm not looking forward to. So all my like normal stress relievers right now are just like gone because all I can do is sit in my apartment. Um, can't go to the garden, yeah. can't go do anything. I've got people like lined up to like take care of my stuff outside of the apartment, but like, man, not looking yeah. forward to the next eight days. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, that is a lot. that is a tricky one. Yep. So that's that's my week basically. So 
So basically, you can't leave the apartment for the eight days, and me, I'm stuck having to leave it I will, for five days a week. I will leave it for one day because I have a doctor's appointment booked, and uh, hopefully the dog doesn't destroy anything important. So... Fingers crossed. Yeah. I will only yeah. be gone for about 90 minutes, so <laughs> fingers crossed. Oh, man, but... Uh an anxious dog can get a lot mm. done in 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. she, fortunately, she doesn't really <laughs> yeah. destroy things. She just kind of barks and howls and cries. Yeah, okay. Which yeah, gotcha. is okay, aside from that, I'm not allowed to have pets in my unit because it's not on my lease right now. So oh, I, right. I've, yeah, I've so informed also... both my neighbors on either side of me that I'm going to be dog-sitting it. If you hear barking on Monday, please don't tell anybody. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Just, <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's a, she'll be fine. Like, so we'll get by. She also has like panic attacks yeah. when she sees other dogs. So I also can't sit outside like I normally do every evening. <sighs> anyway, yeah. wow. dogs. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> we have two very high maintenance dogs as well. We've got Lucy, who's an old geriatric. She's about 15 now. Wow. And um, she's been going through uh a few issues lately with um she started to develop a bit of arthritis in her back legs and we've had to get some anti-inflammatory medication to try and address that and that has been in turn upsetting her stomach so we've had to try and redo her diet and it's been just a whole thing and we've just recently started up instead of doing anti-inflammatory uh medication we've started to move on to a more expensive injection monthly injection to help manage that and so it's but yeah it's still a time and then we've got uh our younger dog uh betty who's like three years old but about eight months ago almost overnight she lost vision complete vision in both of her eyes um and so now she's yeah just completely blind and uh she's super hyperactive she's a border collie so um she wants to play all the time um, but she's also quite neurotic and loves, to, has to be around people. And now that she's, uh, you know, lost her vision, she needs to be around people to be supervised. And even though she's super, super smart and can navigate spaces really well, occasionally she still get, does get overwhelmed or disoriented and doesn't really know where she is anymore. And especially if there's a lot of background noise, cause she relies a lot now on her hearing to actually get around. If there's like background noise, like if there's a rain or if like there's a fan on or an air conditioner or something like that, she gets completely overwhelmed and a bit disoriented. And like sometimes she'll just do weird stuff. Like a couple of weeks ago, she like jumped behind a shelf and got herself wedged because I think she just forgot where she was and just got herself into troubles. But yeah, I mean, I love those two dogs to death, but they are definitely a lot of work. My parents' cat, who I'm also going to be pet sitting, is uh, 22 now. Um, and wow, he will—he can't eat much food, but he needs to eat a lot of food. So if you give mm. him more than a tablespoon of raw food, which he gets fed, he will throw it up. If you give him right. a tablespoon like every hour and a half, two hours, he's totally fine. So, oh my god. <laughs> oh wow. Essentially and he he'll, he will take breaks occasionally between eats. Uh, like he usually sleeps for about 6 hours sometime at night. 
Um, but he mm-hmm. starts asking politely for food. By that, I mean meowing really loudly because he's part Siamese, Russian blue. Um, he will okay. like jump up onto my bed because I live in a one-room apartment, right? So I, I have no space. 4.30 in the morning. Meow. Meow. And he knows where your ear is, so he'll just like meow right into your ear. He'll just like sit right on top of you and meow into your ear till you get up and feed him. And there's nothing I can do about this because <laughs> like I live in a one-room apartment and my dad wakes up at 4.00. So my dad feeds him at 4.30. Oh, so my dad's a my super God. early bird. He's got the routine. So it's it's oh, not man. even like, and like every single time this happens, chat makes fun of me. It's like, have you been up since five again? Yep, the cat woke me up. It's like, well, he's got you well trained. It's like, no, my dad trained him. <laughs> like, I didn't do this. Yeah. This isn't even the cat's <laughs> yeah. fault. This is my dad's fault. My dad just wakes up at <laughs> four to go to work. So I think he sleeps until 5.30 on weekends. But yeah, no, it's that. Ah. The things we do for animals, right? Yep. It's also my parents can go on a vacation for a week and a bit. Bless. Yeah. Um, but uh, see, I'm just sitting here like thinking I am pet free at the moment, and like part of me would like to to change that. Uh, I haven't had the opportunity, but I'm also thinking like, do I really want to change that right now? For me, it's <laughs> like I there's no way in hell I could get a dog. Unless it was tiny, because, like, this apartment's too goddamn small for anything bigger than, like, a shih tzu. And, uh, mm-hmm. or, like, a miniature something or another. I don't particularly like tiny dogs. And also, I wouldn't be able to go anywhere unless it was super okay with being left alone for long time periods of time. Because we're not allowed to bring pets on public transit here unless they're in a carrying case. So... See- <laughs> Drong- Drongo, you'll you'll get this one. I'm really getting those uh, give that man a new vibes. Give that man a new? Uh, so it was an ad for a beer. Uh, the guy's got his dog and he wants to go oh. in with his mates to a beer. And uh, he's like, it says no dogs allowed. So he walks in with this like little, little Maltese or Jack Russell or something. And he's got the sunnies on and, and the the bartender's like, sorry, mate, no dogs allowed. And he just looks down and he's like, what are they giving me? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, give that man a new. It was a um, an ad campaign I... around uh, basically, oh, yeah, people who think outside the box deserve Tui's new. But, yeah, like, it was just that, that real, um, you know, he's like, oh, seeing eye dogs are normally German shepherds or labs. And the guy's just like, what are they giving me? Huh. I feel like I would need to see it. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you, you know, I don't even remember how long ago that ad aired. Your reference game is out of this world because I, I was initially just like confused and like frantically searching in my brain for that phrase. I'm like, I've got nothing at the moment until you started explaining and i was like oh yeah no that is a thing that happened yeah it's really old i've actually found it uh mm. on on youtube so i'm just gonna post that in the in the chat there and probably in the so show notes all... so people can watch it yeah it's it's just like a 15 year old video hmm. now not a sponsor by the way other beer brands are available that, that, that's unfortunate <laughs> we should get a beer sponsor Make this into a beer cast. We should. I completely agree. Hi. Um, 
something else that that I that I should mention is uh, Drongo. Since we're both on a podcast again, uh, what what do you think about your your boy returning to F one? Oh, dude, it's really good, really really good, really exciting to see Daniel Ricardo back on the grid. But I'm so scared for him because if he doesn't perform in the AlphaTauri, then his career's surely got to be done at that point. But I mean, so far so good. Like last night did pretty well. Out qualified his teammate mm-hmm. and qualified ahead of cars that he probably shouldn't have, like Stroll and Russell and stuff yeah, like Stroll's that. Stroll's so, bad. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not- are you allowed to say that as a yes. Canadian? <laughs> Literally, okay, the stands right. booed him. him. It's like everybody's like cheers for every single driver as they go by. Like, like I was on the Lance Stroll, um, what's it called? The Lance, the, the Lance Stroll grandstand. Like that was the name of the, like the, mm. the seats that I was sitting in because like he has a grandstand at that track named after him. Does yes. he? I didn't it used know to that. be called the Nick Latifi uh, grandstand, but anyway. Oh, um, so they should have kept that. The goat. <laughs> He apparently Nick Latifi is going to engineering school. Um, anyway, is yeah, he oh, like, good on just, him. like he's going to some school in the UK to like try and stay in racing, but from an engineering perspective, which is kind of neat. Um, awesome. anyway, uh, yeah, no, I was, I was in that grandstand and when he went by in the little sports car, there was a bunch of people booing. So, like, no, oh my people god, people do wow, not like okay. Lance. That's so interesting. He's a pay driver, people don't like pay drivers. Which is like no well, weird because people like Perez and he's very much a pay driver. What's a pay driver? Uh, somebody with so, a lot of money who or brings a lot of sponsorship money. So Lance yeah. Stroll's dad is so a billionaire. The, yeah, and basically uh, right. he bought the team so to guarantee him a, a race seat. Although I did see that actually um, Stroll or his consortium had sold a pretty significant amount of shares to one of their chinese investor groups um that also had a smaller share previously i think they've moved up from like a five percent share to a 20 15 20 share citation needed but um i don't know maybe that could be like the writing on the wall because like if if i mean stroll hasn't been performing that's the reality of it and if there's pressure for him to lose his seat then maybe his dad's like okay well let's start selling out of the 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 business then which would be uh, interesting to see what that does to the rest of the team. It would be interesting but, to uh, see. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because like I bought an Aston Martin hat when I was out there, and uh, mm. the the people kept asking me they're like, "So you're a Stroll fan, I guess?" And it's like, eh-eh. <laughs> it's like every single Aston Martin person there was just like either really liked Force India or really liked Racing Point or really liked mm-hmm. Salonzo. Um, Yep. Like, I didn't talk to a single person the entire weekend I was at the, the Grand Prix who liked Stroll. Yeah, that's so interesting. Like, I don't definitely don't have as negative feeling about Stroll as I think some people do. Like, I he, he has performed at times, but he's just not as good. Like, he's definitely not, not on a Fernando Alonso level. Which, I mean, is understandable, right? There are but, like, way better drivers in way worse cars that should have his seat. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's yeah, kind of how people that, feel. That, yeah, and that's that's fair enough. I mean, he does have his moments, oh, yeah. like, you know, he, he's actually usually a decent wet-weather driver, although we, I don't think we've seen that in the last couple of seasons. Like, it, it doesn't seem like in the, the current 
regulation era we've seen him actually excel in wet weather like he used to in the old uh in the old race. Lance Stroll is a perfectly mid pay driver. But people don't like perfectly <laughs> mid pay drivers. Yeah. That's yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's it's hard to it's hard to defend him for sure. But as a perfectly mid-pay streamer, I'm going to take this opportunity to say it's time for us to go talk about some video <laughs> games. So we'll, we'll be right back after this short break. Absolutely, ten out of ten segue. <laughs> and we're back with episode seventy-nine of the Halcyon Frequency podcast, and uh, we're here to talk about the games that we've been playing this week. So, uh, Arch, uh, you've been playing some. Uh, Escapes of runes and idling things. So what have you been up to? Yes. So I was, it's a funny story and uh, a bit of a word of warning to some people as well. I um was looking for a new game on my phone and I had been told previously about a game Melvor Idol and how it was pretty popular. I think I'd seen people playing it on Steam. So I thought, yeah, I will buy it on my iPhone. So I bought it. Started playing it. It went well. It was quite enjoyable. I actually really did enjoy the loop of it. Uh, a little bit difficult on, um, on like the mobile with the UI and all that. But it was good. It's it's numbers go up, you know. But you there's lots to do, lots of skills, and lots of ways to sort of do it all. So it was quite interesting in that. And then I was like. Oh, yeah, they've also got the client on um, Steam. I wonder if, because I've bought the game on Apple, whether I get, like, a Steam key or anything. No. However, if you buy the game on Steam, you can get the paid version on Apple or Android. It does not work the other way around, though. So, in order to play it on my PC, I had to purchase it again. (laughs) Um, a fun little game of numbers go up and like plenty of skills, a lot of various things. It is, I don't think it's even RuneScape inspired or a RuneScape knockoff. I think it literally is RuneScape now, um, because it's actually published by JX. So they, they took it, they they started publishing it. Yeah. It's uh, part of the friends of Gelenor bundle. Um, And you can also get like RuneScape uh, premium membership in bundle, uh, RuneScape, like the, yeah, the subscription in bundles with it as well. So it actually is tied more to RuneScape now than it used to be. Um, and yeah, it's, it was, it's always fun. I still got it running. I mean, as we speak right now, I'm currently smithing uh, rune swords in order to in order to raise my smithing skill because I don't have a lot of time to play games anymore. So I can set this in the morning and just bugger off for the day and come back and see what's happened. So I'm definitely enjoying the idle game aspect of it. Jagex has put out some really random things over the past few years, haven't they? They've certainly been a little bit more, uh, bold in terms of publishing things. Um, I'm just looking at their their publishing page on on Steam, and they did Earthlock, yeah. uh, which was a really fun 
old school vibed uh, RPG. And then they also did uh, Ekone Island, an Earthlock adventure, which is sort of like a farming uh, adventure game. The the it, it says it's like a very big, you know, gather resources and farm the land. But it was it did have a very progressive storyline that you've got to work through, um, which was quite interesting. I, I I played that a few few months ago. And uh, yeah, they got a, quite a few coming out. I'm just looking at what they've got. They've got Earthlock 2 on the way. Uh, they also have This Means Warp. Yeah, that's that's the, uh, yo, it's it's FTL, but it's actually a Cook Serve Delicious game, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Co-op space survival game. It's... So basically, in order oh to, to win the fights and stuff. Oh, I have seen this. Yeah, this came out. Oh, last month or two months ago now. So so you playing Melvor Idol here, I, I assume like eventually ended with you just playing RuneScape proper? Because you've also got RuneScape three on here. Yes. So <laughs> I've been looking at it and 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 in Vela, you know, I've been enjoying the idol one. And I was looking through Twitch's uh prime gaming deals and there was one which had membership for runescape and i was like you know what i've always struggled with runescape and i think that's because i've tried old school runescape which is definitely more strongly aimed at the people who used to play it rather than brand new players so i thought why not jump into runescape 3 and give it a try and so i'm still very early days in that i think i have According to this, like a total number of levels of 250, which is, you know, nothing. My combat level is 17. I've been trying to get through tutorials and Googling how do I raise defense or, you know, where am I supposed to start? Because the game is absolutely huge, but it's been entertaining so far. Well, just like, hmm. How do I how do I ex- how do I explain my my time with RuneScape? J- just remember, RuneScape is actually just a point and click idle game. It just mm-hmm. requires slightly more precise clicking than clickers. Yeah, yeah uh, you 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 do realize I come from Worm Online, right? Like that's an idle 100%. game. You don't even have to click in that, right? <laughs> yeah, you do. You do have to click. I thought in you it. just logged out. It, it is, <laughs> and then walked away. No, it's it's, no. it's, it's well, like the game. That's what I you know, do. You're, you're losing yeah. the game if you're thinking about the game. <laughs> oh man, I just ruined no, somebody's um, day. Yeah, yeah, there'll be, there'll be somebody. Leave it in the comments if you lost the game. I mean, like, um, y- y- you could very easily probably play Worm Online and RuneScape at the same time. While you're also waiting, I, parked in you port can because... uh, in EVE Online. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you absolutely can, because I have done both. And not only played both games at the same time, played multiple characters in both games at the same time. <laughs> I remember, like, at my worst with RuneScape, I was running, like, eight virtual machines. Oh, my God playing different characters and then just like running loot like i i was rune i was running a rune running ring by myself before teleporting existed and before the grand exchange existed oh man uh, wow and and i never was a member so i was just a free free to play character making air runes wow yep see 
that's kind of the thing that I I notice with a lot of games. If I'm playing a game and I have the urge to spin up an alt to do something at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm just dopamine chasing. This is why I don't play MMOs. Because they, mm. they do bad things to me. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they make me become that kind of person. And I, like, I just... Uh, uh. It is it is difficult. And then I You're holding up a mirror right now and I don't want to look Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. I'm like, okay, like what are we supposed to do here? You got us game over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just sitting with the two two most uh, MMO pilled people in the team probably. I actually I don't know. Suey's pretty MMO heavy. Yeah. Yeah, Suey's MMO heavy and I know that Kiri and FG both want an MMO to jump into. They've just not found one to to hook them, which is fair. And Bellinaire is um, like a recovering addict who occasionally relapses for three months, and we don't see him. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, he, he's done. Yeah, he's done ESO on stream yeah. for a while now, so no doubt mm. <laughs> that they're getting him there. I'm mostly just talking about the time that he streamed 310 hours in a month because he was just playing Final Fantasy. <laughs> 310 like hours a, was, in a it month? It was like close to what 300 if, or world? just below 300, or just above 300 hours. It was like 12 to 14 hour streams a daily. This was like peak pandemic though. So like, I guess it kind of makes sense when you think about it in that perspective. But yeah, no, he just like played that whole game, like all of it. That is, that is ridiculous. That is next level commitment. Speaking of ridiculous, ri ridiculous, hmm. ridiculous, uh, and next level commitment, uh, I've been playing Xenonauts too. Um, mm. So Xenonauts two is a remaster, remake, reimagining of the first Xenonauts. It's more of that than a sequel. Um, that's what was originally announced and pitched with the Kickstarter, which was like eight years ago. Um, and, uh, or it might've been seven years ago now. Uh, but, uh, game had a very tumultuous development through after the Kickstarter. Um, they stopped development a couple times cause they kept running out of money. It was one of those situations. Um, and, uh, eventually, um, I think it was like mid 2020, 2021, they got an, they announced that they were picked up yeah. by hooded horse, uh, who relaunched the project cause the game had like halted development for like a year and a half or something. Um, Oh, and wow. uh, then they were picked up by Hooded Horse, started development up again, and uh, it's released into early access now. Um, now, it's got kind of a middling response. Um, I think it's currently sitting at mostly positive reviews, on the upper end of mostly positive. Um, and so if you... Okay, did, did either of you play uh, Xenonauts 1? No. Did either no. of you play like old XCOM? Uh, uh once or yes, twice. A little so bit. the the original Xenonauts had a really weird development because like it came out of um like the original XCOM kind of modding scene and that's where it got most of its promotion was like hey, we're trying to make a classic XCOM. We're trying to make XCOM. And this was when like there hadn't been a real XCOM game in like probably close to like 20 years almost like man, that's a bit of an exaggeration but it was it had, it had been in like a solid decade since the last XCOM game and the last few XCOM games were not great um so mm -hmm. it had been a really long time and it was this very small team they're like yeah we're going to try and make an XCOM game we're going to try and make an XCOM game and right as they were getting close to the like runway it was like 
uh, less than a year out to release. Like it had had a little bit of hype behind it. Firaxis announces their XCOM game. So they essentially got completely undercut and lost all of the hype they had going into it because um, let's actually check the actual original release date for Xenonauts, the first one. Um, yeah, it released in June 2014 and XCOM, the it, which is hard to search for because all it pops up is XCOM 2. XCOM Enemy Unknown released, uh, it was two years before, but because they're like hype cycle was spinning up right around the time XCOM Anime Unknown came out, I think they lost a lot of potential oomph from their release. Um, and it took them right. a while to get onto Steam, too. I th- want to say that the game was like initially on sale off Steam, like on their website or something, but they never quite got the whole audience of XCOM. And it also, when the original um, Xenonauts released, it only had one mission type. Like, regardless of what the scenario was, it was just kill or be killed. There was no um, alternate objectives or anything. So it was pretty light content-wise. It was very moddable, but it was pretty light content-wise and had some weird annoyances. So I think from my perspective as somebody who played that game, it really feels like they just completely missed the audience. And they got the hardcore, but like aside from that, they missed the audience and like ended up putting out a product that didn't stand up to Firaxis's XCOM in a lot of ways. Even though, in my opinion, right, okay. Xenonauts was a much more mechanically interesting game with a lot more depth potential, the, the release product that they put out just didn't stand up to what Firaxis put out. Then Firaxis put out XCOM right. 2, and they kick-started their sequel. And kind of the same thing happened again, <laughs> um, to a degree. And so uh. it, it, it just kind of led to like this kind of comedy of errors almost of just like, will Xenonauts ever really exist? So now fast forward to 2023, we have Xenonauts 2 out. And what I can say is this, it feels like Xenonauts. So if you played and liked Xenonauts, it's that. Meaning instead of using the um, movement point system that uh, Firaxis's XCOM uses. It uses the second system, so based on the weight of the gear that the soldier is carrying and the strength of the soldier and the soldier's under behind-the-scenes stats tend, uh, states how far they can move. Different actions take different numbers of seconds based on the strength and the weight of the action that needs to be executed. Um, there is a whole new series of like time, like death clock timers on the overworld that weren't there in the original game. There's kind of a men in black uh, equivalent called the cleaners. Um, I'm just assuming that everybody knows what X, what XCOM is just kind of talking about this, but they're, they're called the cleaners. And then in the overworld, while time is ticking up, um, as as days are moving forward, there's a there's other sites that you need to pay attention to that are more human centric. So you're shooting at dudes with guns instead of like aliens with lasers. But it's got all of the XCOM trappings. It's that formula, and that formula works, and it works really, 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 really well. And I find Xenonauts to be a supremely satisfying game to play, even though I think this build and this version that they currently have out has some shortcomings um it has about 60 percent of the writing in the game so every now and again you'll get a story bit or a research screen and it's just blank um there's places where art's missing oh dear um because it is early access right there's places where art's missing 
Um, they've said that about 60% of the enemy units are in the game. The uh, enemy AI for a lot of the unit types is placeholders, so they don't have super interesting interactions, and the AI will do some extraordinarily dumb things. Um, but, you know, you'll still have moments where, like, you have, like, your five soldiers all lined up and, w and one guy up on a roof all looking at an area. Two aliens run out, and they both get free sh shots of opportunity because they see you first. And they get their two shots off of opportunity, and both of the shots miss wildly. And then all of your soldiers get Overwatch, and then they all take their shots, and all of them miss. And then one of your sh soldiers shoots your own soldier. And, you know, like, stuff like that will happen, and it's still fantastic. Like, it's in in the sense that... It is XCOM, it looks like XCOM, it feels like XCOM, it plays like XCOM. That is great. But I think for a lot of people who really, really want that experience, right now you're probably better served going and playing open XCOM because you will get that, but you'll also have a finished experience. What's for sale right now as Xenonauts 2, I'm having a blast with. Like, I'm having, like, just dumb fun with it. I want to play nothing else. Like, I... Uh, when I haven't been streaming, I've just been thinking about Xenonauts 2, going like, yeah, I need to I need to get those clocks going. I need, I need to get a base set up in North America. I got to get something in, like, kind of the Asia Sea area. And, like, uh, I need to move more squads around. I need to build more jets so I can more effectively take off, take out these bigger UFOs that are coming at me now and, like, get more f sites fighting and all that stuff. Like, that, that part of it is really, really, really good. And the minute-to-minute -minute combat is really, 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 really good. Controlling it feels really, 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 really good. But it crashes a lot. And it's missing content. Fortunately, it saves every turn. So you're going to miss maybe 30 seconds of content if you do crash. So I don't know. I, um, it's, it's really easy to recommend if you're an enthusiast for XCOM and you really want more XCOM and you want a good game that feels like XCOM that looks modern in a really nice isometric 3D, like, kind of format. But it's rough in some ways. And the ways where it's rough are pretty glaring. Um, so it, it's it's a weird one. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've been wanting to check this out, and I've been, like, thinking all week, like, oh, man, I really need to go out of my way to get a key for that. And then I, when you were talking before and said it, oh, it was from Hooded Horse, I was just like, wait, hang on. Did they actually send me a key? And then I've just realized, yes, I have. <laughs> I have got a key and I have redeemed it. Yeah. And, and I just, I, I redeemed it, but I didn't put it in my folder of games that I've been sent keys for. So I've just forgotten that I actually had it. So it's, um, I'm I'm going to try it out myself and uh and see how it goes cuz I do love the XCOM format. I really do. See. Um, I I also got a key for it, but I have not done anything with it because I'm very new to the XCOM format. Mm -hmm. I've not ever played mm. an XCOM game before. And every oh, really? time I've watched wow. them I've been like it's interesting but I've always been more drawn to a little bit more of the, say, um, like the Fire Emblem side of it. Because I feel Fire Emblem has some very similar things in movement, range, damage, and all of that, but slightly different. I mean, that's like saying chess and checkers are the same game. 
No, I mean, they both use a table and, you know, rules and objects. I mean, if you've just had them both verbally described to you, they'd sound pretty similar, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's probably where I'm at, mm -hmm. and that's it. Like, I really enjoy Fire Emblem, but I've not died into any XCOM-style game before. See, XCOM is the, well, I have three really good soldiers, everybody else is wounded, we have to go out, and uh, I'm sending in five rookies and three veterans. Okay, you, you, you land, one of the rookies runs out and immediately just gets, like, gassed by some random alien from halfway across the map, and you go, oh no! Anyways, and then you send out your other soldiers? Um... In Fire Emblem, that person dies, and you go, "Bah! I lost my waifu!" And then you Alt F four to like or hard lock the 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 consoles so you don't lose them. Um, yep, yeah, that's that's very similar when it comes to Fire Emblem as well. It's like, oh, I have one power unit. Oh my god, I just lost the the one that I really like. Yeah, I'm resetting. Yeah, I mean, well, in 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 XCOM and like in, in this game too, like you can you can just save and reload. Like, there's nothing stopping you from doing that unless you turn on Iron Man, which I think is a really dumb idea in a early access game that crashes. <laughs> anyway, um, mm -hmm. like that's just not a good idea. Like, just don't do that. Like, if you want to play an Iron Man, just just don't reload saves. Like, just be an adult. Um, but like when when it comes to um like uh th this game, it's it's a lot more about mitigating losses and it they're a lot more sandboxy right like fire emblem is yeah. it's a story-based game like the xcom games in like both major uh eras of xcom um have all been like story-based games but the story is around your um like okay i i managed to capture an alien by instead of killing it i managed to knock it out either with stun grenades or a stun baton or some sort of non-lethal weapon we brought it home and we interrogated it and then we get more story and then like your ability to fend off the alien threat gets better and you get some new tech for it. And there's, that's how story is traditionally kind of delivered in this. It, the way story in uh, Xenonauts is delivered is um, it, before important missions, there will be chatter from the main characters. In the intro, there's chatter from the main characters. And then whenever you unlock a tech or build a new a piece of gear, you get a full screen pop up with a bunch of lore and a descriptor written by the different characters in that character's voice. So there's no voice acting in Xenonauts, but um, in uh, let's say XCOM Enemy Unknown, the Firaxis XCOM, uh, it's it's voice acted, right? So there's like, and that's one thing that actually I really miss about the Firaxis games. I don't like them mechanically, so I just kind of don't play them. But um, they they do have this welcome back commander and I'll be seeing you command and like just like these really good voice lines that play every time you tab in and tab out of your base and go into combat yeah. which I really miss from that era of XCOM that I wish that they could just like do something even if it's very 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 simple and like maybe a half dozen different recordings of the line for Xenonauts I wish they could do something like that because that is something that I think that Xenonauts is kind of suffering from is the first one kind of had this problem as well the writing in it is pretty funny but I feel like Xenonauts is kind of lacking in character and one way that I can like explain that is uh in XCOM you can just make your soldiers pink this doesn't yeah. have that level of customization. Like, yeah, you can put better armor on your guys and it shows up, but it's just like slightly more sci-fi looking armor. It's not like, I, I can't like select them and be like, I'm going to put a tattoo of uh, the word fuck on your face and uh, like make your guy blue. Like, you know, like yeah. you, there, there isn't that level of customization. Like I think the most recent uh, XCOM playthrough I was watching somebody stream, like he, his, his entire squad was Vocaloids. 
Um, so mm. it was just like a bunch of anime ladies running around with shotguns, <laughs> blowing up aliens. <laughs> and like, you know, like that, that, that kind and with Xenonauts, you have to wait for the mods for that kind of things. Right. And like the last Xenonauts was super moddable and had great mod support. Um, and there was all kinds of stuff like that, but Xenonauts 2 obviously has none of that. Um, but, uh, one thing I will say is the, the developers have been super, uh, quick about patching it. Um, I mean, I'm looking at this right now. They've actually like patched it twice today. <laughs> Um, and, uh, it's a, oh, wow. it's a weekend right now, or at least they posted two update notices in the last 11 hours or one, one an hour ago. And then one 11 hours ago. So they're like, they are cranking out on this thing. Yeah, no, they, they posted twice yesterday. There was a patch on Wednesday. There's a patch on Tuesday. So like they're, they're working on this thing. Um, so I, I would almost say, wait a little bit if you want to play Xenonauts too. But at the same time, like if you're, if you're chomping at the bit for something, it's, there's a lot there. Like it's a thirty hour yeah. campaign right now. Which is Okay. Nice. Which is also in my Sounds like a good in my opinion is better than, you know, the two hundred hours that Long War becomes. Please don't shoot me. Go on, Arch. <laughs> I I mean I look, I'm I'm not gonna hate. I just really like the XCOM format. Whatever form it takes. Because I've played so many different XCOM-esque type games now at this point that I'm just like, I'm here for it, man. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to checking out. Got Xenonauts 2 downloading at the moment. so What yeah. I think is going to end up happening for me at Xenonauts 2 is I'm going to finish Xenonauts 2 and then immediately go reinstall OpenXCOM. Because I installed it over like two weeks ago and messed around with it a little bit. So I had like a direct, com direct comparison in my brain between that and Xenonauts. Played a little bit of that. Not enough to really talk about it, but played a little bit of that. I'm probably going to finish Xenonauts and then stream some XCOM. It's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. Thank you. Can't complain about that. But uh, I've been talking a lot, so um, Drongo, pick a game from your list and talk about it. Yeah, so I have been a little bit behind the curve, and this past week I finally decided to try against the storm it's been heavily recommended to me by so many people and uh i had a really good time with it unsurprisingly considering it comes extremely highly recommended it's in a genre that i love in the city builder survival-esque sort of um area and it has a, a lot of replayability from what i've been able to discern so far from uh, having toyed around with it a little bit and yeah i'm just having a having a good time with it i haven't played a huge amount yet but it is definitely a game where i can already see the number one the quality like it feels a very very polished for what it is and i can also see the appeal and how the gameplay loop really will be very very satisfying and enjoyable speaking of hooded horse joints Mm, also a yeah, horse game. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, to be fair, Hooded Horse do put out um, a, a lot of different games, and a lot of those games are games that <laughs> directly are ones that I play mm -hmm. and are interested I, in. I, so, I tend to, yeah, I, no complaints from me. I also have Against the Storm. I, I can't remember when they sent me a key for it. It's just been sitting there. I'm waiting for it to hit 1.0. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I, that's when i'll dive into that yeah. um like I, I kind of like pick and choose with games where it's like okay this one i'll wait for 1.0 this one i'll just play it when it releases and this is the one that'll wait for 1.0 i think yeah I, I think that's that's totally fair i mean there's so many different games that come out and 
I think sometimes, you know, we're all so pressed as uh, creators to, you know, we got to be strategic in what games we pick up early and what ones we just, okay, well, I'll just look at that later on. And I mean, yeah, Against the Storm was one that I was just like, I'm interested, but I'm just going to play it when I feel like I have the opportunity and there's nothing else that kind of fits in there that I want to play more. And yeah, this, this week, past week was the first time where I've been like, oh, you know what? I think it's time. I think it's time to play it. And I'm very glad I did. I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to going back and playing some more. Yeah, I I played it a while ago and I did really enjoy it too. Um, I'm keen on waiting for it to come out on 1.0. And then mm -hmm. I'll probably dive back into it because there is just so much to do in it. Yeah, yeah, there, that, that, that is true. There is a, a lot to it. No doubt about it. Skimming through Hooded Horses releases here and reminding myself that I really want to play Falling Frontier. I, I don't know if that game's going to be any good, but it just looks so cool. <laughs> I want to play that. <laughs> I'm curious to see how Mana Lords goes when it comes out. Yeah. Just uh, based off of how uh, seemingly like popular that has been in its lead up and development. That so. game gifts really well. It looks mm. really good yes. in like eight second clips recorded in engine. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm. I, I know that this is this is just kind of becoming like the hooded horse. Let's talk about their upcoming games cast. But like, I played that demo. That demo that they released. I really wish they didn't release that demo. Um. Mm, okay. Because uh, I didn't play it, so I'm I'm completely oblivious to what the reality of it was. That demo was an alpha. Uh, like mm. straight up mechanics didn't work. Um, like there was points where like things wouldn't work and then you'd restart the game and they would work. Um, there uh, was like, okay. so like I, I, I would say that that demo very much dampened my expectations for that game. It, sure. what I played was like a city builder that was somewhere between banished, but trying to be more like a frost punk, but with, the goals and scope of something like Anno. Um, but also it's like, wow, it has total okay. war combat somehow. <laughs> so I don't know. Like it's, it seems like a, it seems like a lot. And it, it was kind of using a, oh man, what was the name of that stronghold game? Stronghold Warlords, I think. Was it Warlords? That rings a bell. Yeah. Um, stronghold Warlords. I can't type. <laughs> War something. Yes, Warlords, which is $8 right now, has like this overmap system where like you are defending and attacking different regions on a bigger map while also playing a kind of not great stronghold game. That this game has like a similar thing to that where like you zoom out and you can see this larger map and there's different regions and there's other AI driven groups that are running in these different regions and I guess the goal is to take over the region. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. None of that stuff worked in the demo, but it was all present in the demo and all the buttons were there. They just did nothing. So it was, it was a, I wish they didn't release that demo. Yeah, fair enough. It is pretty looking though. I guess to use that as a jumping off point as well, um, to talk about demos, um, I can also talk about another game that I played, which was Lost in the Open, which, um as we, we i got the opportunity to check out their 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 demo version for the game it's a very short demo 
It's like 30 minutes long. Right, yep. It's a, a game that is very much like turn-based um, combat, almost like in the the sort of vein of, of games like Battle Brothers and stuff like that. And uh, it's it's they're hoping to release, as I understand, about this time next year. Yeah, they're on Kickstarter so right a fair now. Fair way I off think. in the future. Correct. Yeah. So just a disclaimer: I was sponsored to check out the demo, um, but I enjoyed it. Like, there's definitely some some rough edges on it, like from a UI perspective as well, uh, especially for me. But like from a mechanical perspective and a gameplay loop, it feels really solid. Um, it has like a a progression, a story progression, and a like it has a similar sort of style to progressing through the game world to games like slay the spire where you choose between different rooms or, or different pathways to have different encounters and then it's up to you to kind of navigate and choose what you do with those encounters and you want to try and build up a as good of a party as you can as you get and have to fight progressively stronger and stronger enemies and it's quite brutal and i think that is not just a, a balancing issue but it does seem as though that is like a deliberate choice that they've made the game quite uh quite difficult but this is from uh black black voyage games and they're the developer and publisher for this game at the moment and they it's their first title but um you know so far so good like they've put together a, a, a pretty solid demo and uh i i look forward to hopefully seeing some more because it does feel like a a, a really solid foundation interesting yeah no I, I seem to recall getting some email about this and going i don't want to play more demos so i kind of ignored mm. it but it's it's neat that you that it's it's good to hear that you had a good time with it and i i wish them well on their kickstarter yeah 100 percent. um so i i could talk about space haven a little bit I checked back in with uh, Space Haven, which is another early access game. Uh, it's kind of like The Sims in Space. They claim to be heavily inspired by RimWorld and Dwarf Fortress, but there's very little RimWorld in there, and there's also very little Dwarf Fortress in there. Uh, it's just a colony builder in space. Uh, a pretty chill one at that. Okay. I, I've been playing, although admittedly I was playing on the normal difficulty, and there's like five above that. Um, so I'm sure if you turn it up to the hardest difficulty, it's brutally difficult. But I was just playing on the normal difficulty, and it's it's super chill. Um, the combat's pretty low maintenance, which I kind of don't like. I, I wish that there was something to the combat. Like, it very much looks like that the, the combat's going to be almost more XCOM-y, but it's very just like it plays out on a timer, and what happens happens, and you have almost no control over it. Um, so kind of don't like the combat. And it also doesn't have, like, enough interest going on with the combat that, like, it's fun to watch either. It's just kind of there. What's interesting with the game is it's it's a colony builder, right? So you're building spaceships and you're jumping f and you're flying from place to place. But what's fun about it is there's a bunch of other factions that are also flying around and they also have spaceships. And their spaceships are existing space within the map just like your spaceship. So you could warp in and be, like, mining asteroids, and then get a notification that somebody else is warping in. It's a pirate ship. They warp in. They try and board you. You seal the, the airlocks and open your fire with your cannons, blow a hole in their side of the ship, vent the oxygen. They all die, and then you fly over there and repair their ship, and now you have two spaceships, which is pretty cool. So, like, it, it has some neat things going for it, um, and uh, I, I think there is reason to play it. 
but uh, I think maybe the most notable thing is the last time I played this was back in 2020 when it released into early access, like right on the eve of the pandemic was when it released into early access. So I haven't touched it in three years. Um, largely what I noticed different from when I first played it till now is it runs better, things feel smoother, and things make more sense. They've actually removed some mechanics and or streamlined them to a point where they're a lot less tedious. Like the power system's been completely changed. Uh, it used to have this weird like cables system where you had to like attach cables on a certain submenu which is just gone from what i can tell um they've added in a lot more personality traits and stuff to the dudes uh, i.e rimworld um people tantrum and break things i.e rimworld grumble uh and uh it's it's in a good spot right now i i i can pretty safely say that like if you pick up space haven right about now you'll have a good time with it it's there is entertainment to be had there and it's probably pretty bloody difficult on the harder difficulties and it's fun and chill on the easy difficulties and it's fun when your ship catches fire oh, yeah cool. i mean it, it definitely looks like something that's up my alley from that perspective like and i i also really like the art style that you've used it looks it. Like really good yeah it, it's it's very very pretty and it has a very like it, it has its own personality mm -hmm. which is um nice the music is pretty good but there's nowhere near enough of it like it's okay. got this very good like dreamy space music which is pretty great but like very quickly you'll realize that ah i've heard this song four times um but uh like just the ship building part of it is like and just like one of the most memorable moments i had in this game um was back in the initial early access launch and uh uh, a a, tr a neutral trading vessel flew in and I realized they don't have any guns on their ship. I'm just going to open fire. So I start shooting at them, disable their ship. I'm like, ha, I'm going to go board you now. So I take four out of six of my people and I board their ship. And as I'm boarding their ship, they're repairing their engines and they jump off into hyperspace with half my crew on them. So I just <laughs> instantly so lost four people. <laughs> um, so I don't know where they yeah. went. I, I, th 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 that was just it. Um, so then I had to run my ship with two people, which I couldn't do because it required more people than two people to run it. So I basically had to sit there until another uh, ship showed up that I could blow up uh, and uh, take some people from. So it's a fun, it's a neat little game. I, I, I recommend Space Haven. Nice. Okay. I'll definitely have that on the right. It's space based DF9, but not garbage. <laughs> and you can make cool looking spaceships. Um, I'm looking at this. Uh, Homeseek, I think, is the, the one that we have left. So, uh, Drongo, you want to talk to me about Homeseek, yeah. some more town building stuff? Yeah. So, this is actually another, um, another game that I was sponsored to check out. And uh, it kind of fits in the survival game genre. Um, you know, if you're thinking of games that it might be akin to, I would say probably close to things like Frostpunk that are instead of, you know, the cold though, you're in the desert and you need water. Uh, so it's a post-apocalyptic base building survival game that really emphasizes making, you know, hard decisions, great decisions, and has a very uh a very like narrative based plot like it has different chapters and you're going through and basically within each map you're trying to build up your colony to complete that segment of the story you're basically telling this the story of your of your people and 
uh, it's a really, really solid game. Like it's, um, I, I think if you, if you like Frostpunk, this is definitely a game that you should be paying attention to. And the voice acting is wonderful. The writing from what I've played is pretty strong. The gameplay is compelling. Um, but I wouldn't say it's like exceptional. It's, it's just good. Like there's, it, there's nothing uh, particularly like really groundbreaking about a lot of aspects of it, but it is, it, it does what it needs to do and it does it well. And, um, yeah, overall I had a, a really good time with it and it's a game that I could see myself playing quite a bit more of. It's, um, I think like it's, it does have like replayability, even though it is a, a story kind of based game, like being able to do that. And the other thing that's uh, a little bit more interesting about it from a mechanical standpoint is it does have uh, up to, I think it's up to eight player co-op, uh, not a co-op, uh, multiplayer. Uh, and that can kind of be co-op or it can be like almost like competing against each other in a way. Um, I've not had a chance to check it out as multiplayer to see how that works out hundred percent but it's um yeah it's a decent little game seeing some so i want to i want to second the uh the fact that it is you know very frostpunk like in the sense that you know i enjoyed playing frostpunk and never want to play it again and uh <laughs> yeah, homeseek totally triggered that. the exact thing of i'm playing desert frostpunk you know, fantastic mm. game with very, very grey decisions and no, no clear way out of them. And just, yeah, it did, uh, it, it, it did grab me in those same sort of things. And I'm like, yeah, no, I am getting, you know, post frost, frostpunk stress disorder from this. So, um, yeah. That's that's my uh, input on that. My my feeling on Frostpunk was this isn't making me feel things, and you're trying to make me feel things, and I find playing this game to be oddly frustrating because you keep on trying to make me feel things, so I stopped playing it. Combine that with like the camera also made me motion sick. And looking at this, I'm looking at reviews and going, huh? All the reviews are saying it's worse Frostpunk. <laughs> it's like, hmm, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily worst frost worst frostpunk. I think it is very frostpunk like mm. in a game that is not explicitly frostpunk. So yeah. it suffers from that, you know. It, it it's is... close enough to be directly compared, but it's yeah, not right. as big a budget and from a visual perspective I don't think it's as polished either. Like you which you means put together that it's going to Yeah, the biggest thing that sort of caught me was you put together an expedition team and you send them away they go to from pit place to place and you're faced with very various moral decisions that impact that team and what you get from it it's very much the same mechanic as the exploration in frostpunk mm -hmm. whereas the if i recall the um the actual core game in and of itself was designed more around actually getting out of the place you were in. You know, you weren't stuck in one location trying to survive just there. 
Hmm. Well, um, I, I, th I think that we've kind of like hit a point with city builders where there's very little things that there's very few things that people haven't done already. And especially like when it's yeah. us talking about city builders, it's very easy for us to just be like, nah, it's just another derivative city builder. It's kind of like, you know, when games like Singularity came out, I don't know if any of you played Singularity, but Singularity was a fun first person shooter that I enjoyed when it came out. Was it a good game? Compared to the other games that came out at the time, was did it do anything interesting or different? No. Not at all. But it was a game that I played. And because I didn't play a ton of games back then, I, I look back on it fondly. But I remember like looking at reviews yep. at the time and people going, yeah, it's a 7 out of 10. And kind of feeling miffed because I remember really enjoying it. And I think that, like, I think, I think we might be at that point with City Builders now, especially, like, you know, if you played games like Oxygen or, I guess, the most recent, Homeseek or, uh... What was it? Patron or, or Patron or whatever that game was called. Uh, Settlement Survival. Uh, you know, all of these games, mm -hmm. like they, they all kind of are using so many of the same ideas. I think it's really difficult. And I don't envy anybody trying to make a city builder or a survival city builder in the current climate without doing something like kind of new and different with it. Like from what I can tell, Against the Storm is kind of doing where they're kind of doing something new and different with it. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's, it's, a, dif it's a difficult it, it, space to compete in right now. I think it happens 100%. in a lot of genres because, like, we all remember the zombie game um, trend and then the Minecraft Ah, uh, yes, trend. The War Z, uh, a classic. Yeah, and then, you know, of, of course, we've got that delightful era of Battle Royale game. Uh-huh. You know? Um, that ended quick. <laughs> it's still ongoing. Eh. It's just a lot of... Eh. It's just so diluted now. True. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I think I think there's definitely a period where it's like, hey, if you are thinking of launching a new X genre game, perhaps not for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> let the let it cool off. And I think there's been a lot of um, lot of hype and and games released in the settlement survival at the moment. Like I think that's that's another thing. Like there is the definite settlement survival. As opposed to, you know, just a city building game. Like, City Skylines 2 will not have any necessary direct survival elements. Whereas, like, Homeseek is very much around survival. All I have to say... And so... Go on. Sorry. Yep. I, I thought... No, no, no. You go. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I hope that we can exit out of this settlement survival era of city builders and get back into the era of everybody's making just modern day business management city builders because right now what do we have we have urbex city builder which was fine and uh city skylines can we get like five more of those please yeah <laughs> like, that, that's that's i just i just want I'm some big budget city builders again that's all i want that's it uh city skylines 2 releases soon doesn't yes. it yes it's this year yeah so I, I, I kind of wonder if that'll be, like, spark the renaissance of more, like like you said, management SimCity-style games. Or if it'll just be so big that it's like, yeah, there's no point competing with a game like this because this does everything you need. The thing, though, is, like, yeah. I, I had this exact conversation with somebody when City Skylines came out. Yeah. It's like, yes, finally, a game to prove to EA that you can make a single-player city-building game. And maybe other people will go make single-player city-building games. It's like, well, I guess we've had, like, Transport Fever. But that's kind of a different thing. That's a transport game. We've had some train games, like the 
the the various like choo choo building games. But we like when was the last like big budget city builder? Just like normal ass city builder that wasn't like you're yeah. surviving against gonorrhea or whatever. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Don't knock gonorrhea. I'm not knocking city gonorrhea. I'm just simulator. I'm just tired of that being the biggest threat. <laughs> not knocking yeah, gonorrhea. Sure. Okay, you know, like I think we're allowed to knock gonorrhea. I just I just want to make cars go extinct instead of people for once. Yeah. yeah. I totally get what you mean. And I think, yeah, you do have a really good point, is that it does seem to be... I, I, I am hopeful that we will see a resurgence in that genre eventually, but it is really difficult, I think, you know, with City Skylines now being so well established, it, it I think it would be very easy for somebody to, a new player to come to the table and kind of fall into the same trap that we've been talking about, of being compared against a, a standard setting game that has, like, really set the benchmark and even if they do a, a a decent job of it, they will probably be, um, you know, I would say more harshly judged for not living up to the the benchmark. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I think it's an interesting phenomenon either way. And I do think you're right. Is that you know there probably is. A lot of games that I can think of that are that I've enjoyed and really enjoy and in their own bubble are really great games. But then when you compare them to the, you know, the best in class of those games, they do pale in comparison. And I think it is sometimes a little bit unfair that games do get directly compared to the very best in the genre and get perceived negatively, even though they are still good games and they do still have like redeeming qualities about them they're not not necessarily bad they're just not as good mm -hmm. as the best so like yeah. yeah for sure i played a little game a couple of years ago by a couple of years ago i mean 2018 called city state which is like an isometric looks like old city sim city style city builder which was made by one dude which ran in a chrome window in html5 which was maybe one of the weirdest pieces of software i've ever downloaded off of steam it like literally launched a chrome window um wow. but uh he put out a sequel because i said he because it's just a, it's a solo developer um he put out a sequel called city state 2 which has pretty similar reviews it's like 70 mid 70 percent positive on steam um, which is like a 3D version of the original City State plus a bunch of other features and stuff. It had some neat ideas, but I remember the first City State just being really mechanically light. Like it didn't have a lot going on. It was basically like you'd place down zoning and then you would fiddle with the election politics basically and like push different agendas, which would make the city develop in different ways, which was a neat little game, but it uh, it didn't at least the first one didn't quite hit everywhere and I ran out of stuff to do pretty quick. Like the first one I played, uh, which was the original City State, I, I ran out of content, I, I'd say maybe after about 10 hours, which was like, you know, a stream and a half, like two streams worth of stuff for me. And like, mm. I'd seen everything at that point. Then he added a free expansion to pack to it where you can go to Mars and then do the same progression again, which is kind of weird. But um, yeah, City State 2 has like, some weird almost cyberpunk stuff in it and like flying cars and things. But like, I, I never, I never got around to playing it. Maybe I should go back and play that. See how that is. Cause like it had neat ideas. Yeah. Like. And it, it, the problem is, is again, 
how much can you expect one developer to play? No, exactly. And like, you know? because I remember looking at his preview coverage and going like, yeah, no, this is like an expansion on the mechanics of the first one. And it's like, okay, well, if it's the same mechanics as the first one, and if it's reviewing about the same and people are saying it's very similar to the first one, then like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, the, the first one was horribly explained and like, took me a long time to figure it out. At the very least, like, the city-state games were a uh, city builder, but, like, I'm not even going to get into, like, my annoyances with City Skylines of, like, just being, like, a tra traffic painter and city manager game because we only have a certain amount of time for this podcast. So unless there's anything else we should cover, <laughs> should we go to news? Absolutely. All right. I think news is good. Let's go to news. We'll be right back after this. And we're back with episode 79 of the Halcyon Frequency podcast, and we're going to be talking about the news. So um, normally I would ask who wants to run off with this one, but do either of you guys want to take uh, this lovely uh, self-news story uh, about us as, as a team and a thing that we're doing? Yeah, yeah. Halcyon Frequency Game Jam. We're up to how many signups now? Uh, 32. It's getting 32 signups, and... It's uh, nearing nearing the launch. Yep. Uh, I think it's the end of this month. July 28th to and, 31st uh, is the, the, the days that our yeah. game jam is running. So, you know, jump in on it. And um, full details are available on the the, the itch.io page, mm -hmm. which will be included in, in the description of this, uh, this podcast. Uh, jump in the Discord. Um, don't be afraid to, to jump in, even if you don't know much. There's a ton of um, game development tools aimed at people who don't really know things like, you know, RPG Maker and various other tools like that, which you're all welcome to use and sort of go ham. And if you also want to join a team and and, and get some experience without relying on it all being on you, uh, the Discord's the place to go. Yeah, and uh, the, the last game jam we, we did, we got, I think it was just under 10 submissions total. And uh, it was a fun variety of things. And uh, uh, looking forward to messing around with and streaming and playing the games that people create in this jam. So uh, as of the time of recording, yeah. it's just a couple days away. By the time this episode goes up, it should be about four days away. So um, if you have some time this coming weekend and you'd like to uh, help entertain yourself with something over the weekend and want to make a game, like now, now's the time to do that. A uh, theme will be announced uh, when the actual... Uh, game jam starts, but uh, what I can say is, uh, just like our previous game jam, uh, we have a very high focus on accessibility. Uh, so any kind of accessibility features or options you can add into your game, the better. Um, and uh, yeah, so looking forward to seeing what everybody creates. Yeah. Next thing on the uh, news agenda we have here was a started off as a tweet. Which is, uh, if you're unfamiliar, uh, Twitter. It's this um, outdated microblogging service that had some relevancy in the mid-late 2000s and uh, kind of died out in the early teens. But uh, this was... I, I just want to uh -huh. just want to quickly say, if you're unfamiliar with Twitter, I envy you <laughs> your blessed best. life. <laughs> anyway um so th this tweet came out from uh somebody named michael uh where they got an email from um uh this uh, indie developer uh you buy soft i think is how you say that um anyway they they have a a storefront uh where you can buy their video games uh their their few 
pittance offerings. Um, anyway, uh, long story short, apparently uh, if your account is inactive for too long, they delete your account, including the games on it. Uh, they send you a 30-day warning email. And uh, Ubisoft then clarified in a response to this Twitter on the Ubisoft uh, uh, support account um, where they said, uh, and I, I will read this quote, um, Hey there, uh, we just wanted to chime in, uh, that, uh, chime in that you can avoid the account closure by logging into your account within 30 days since, reviving, since the reviving email uh, is pictured. Uh, by selecting the cancel account closure link contained in this email, uh, and we certainly do not want you to lose access to your games or account, so if you have any difficulties, any difficulties logging in, please create a support case with us at ubisoft.com slash help. So essentially, if you don't log in for X amount of time, uh, they will send you an email, and if you miss the email, then you lose everything you purchased. See... I have thoughts on this and <laughs> try, trying to avoid it. This is fucked. Yes. You know, to put, <laughs> to put it bluntly, it's fucked because of one simple thing. You know, if you have paid for access to those games to have that then deleted is an absolute travesty. I can absolutely understand being like, hey, you down you made a, an account, you've only played free-to-play games, you have not spent any money on the account, we are deleting that. We're going to shelve that one, right? But there is no problem with them saying, hey, look, we've got an excess amount of uh, accounts that are sitting un unused, right? Do you know what you do? You put that in a database and you put that database into like deep, deep storage that's slower to get to and if someone wants to go and like log in and stuff maybe they'll get an email saying hey it'll take an hour to set your account back up you get that you get the games again there's there's no issue there if storage is their issue and it really shouldn't be like i would love to see their reasoning behind doing this beyond oh we want to make sure that our monthly active users stay high Yeah. Um, so there, there is something else like, that's like worth noting about this is there's been uh, uh, connections connected to this stating that the, the part of the reason for Ubisoft deleting it is part of GDPR compliance. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I, I, I doubt that. That's that's what I'm. This, this is what I'm seeing through Twitter. So, I mean, it's here. I'll, I'll screenshot this and just share. Yeah, it that's where putting here. it into into deep storage can help. You can remove basically most identifying stuff and just store the account on a very, you know, email login mm -hmm. and keys. And once that's done, it can be reconnected later on. Like that's, that's how I would approach it. And that's how I do it because quite simply people have bought those things. They deserve those things, um, to close inactive accounts. If they deem the data no longer necessary for collection, that's my exact point. Purchase and ownership of these products is necessary for collection, mm -hmm. right? The claim that they don't close accounts that are inactive for less than four years likely tells me they collected too much data in the past 
And the data they have is not GDPR compliant. So they're like, what the fuck do we do? We delete that. Yeah, I don't know. I this 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 whole thing just kind of makes me mad. Um, the the only Ubisoft game that I play is Trackmania, and I haven't even been playing that much recently, so I'm not at risk of losing my account. But boy, all of this just blech. yeah, blech. yeah, icky. It is. It is. It's it's that reminder that even your Steam account is technically like you know you own no game on the steam account that's not totally true because there are some games that are totally drm free on steam that once you download it it's just on your like hard drive and if you delete and uninstall steam the game will still launch uh dwarf fortress is an example of this uh i could go go through and find other ones but like um it is there it is uh up to the developers if they want to use steam drm and if they don't use steam drm you can actually launch the game while steam is not running um, so it does depend on the game, but you'd still need to have it installed. You could like, obviously yeah. you could still use lose the ability to download it. Right. Yeah. That that's kind of my point is yes. like at any point steam could be like, no, nah, we don't have that game on our servers anymore. Boom. You no like longer I'm, have, I'm pretty sure RimWorld is another example of that. Just to try and name a bigger one. Caves of cut is like that. Uh, songs of six is like that. I'm just looking through my library. Uh, conquest of Elysium is like that. Brigador is like that project Zomboid. I'm pretty sure is also doesn't use steam drm but like there's like you know a billion examples of games that do right <laughs> so um yeah like i was just trying oh uh terraria also doesn't use steam drm i'm trying to think of other big examples of that but yeah i it's steam's better than that <laughs> but not not by a lot yeah the you know they're better than that while gabe's still in charge and while their mm-hmm. initial vision is still being held but that's that's easily changeable. Oh God, you know, I dread. Depending on... I dread the day that we lose Gabe and Steam gets sold. Yeah. But fortunately, that day isn't today. Yeah. However, it is time for me to uh, end this podcast. And since I'm on the podcast, I'm I'm actually going to go over to one of my uh, websites. Now, this is a uh, a, a website called a uh, Podkite, which I, I get some analytics from because I'm curious as to uh, wh- where this podcast is currently ranking. I do have to log in though, and it is currently giving me a uh, a cloud flare pop up but uh i can say that we are um currently the 141st most popular podcast in india under video games and leisure so oh, nice cool uh let, let's yeah it's pretty pretty high up there we were ranked in poland up until a couple weeks ago so people in poland uh, start listening again jeez what are you doing <laughs> yeah yeah get get back into <laughs> get it get back on it we fell off in Poland, man. Um, yeah, so we're, we're 187th in Poland. I'm actually seeing the full listings now. Uh, we're 187th in Poland now. We, we were much higher than that. Uh, but currently, yeah, we're just ranked in India. So, uh, yeah, we, we need to get those numbers back up. But uh, They're rookie numbers. Got to pump them up. Well, it's, rookie numbers are not as good as wookie numbers. We need more. Um, but uh, it is uh, time to end this <laughs> podcast because I'm making Chewbacca sounds. So I got to say, uh, let's start at the top. Arch, who are you and where can people find you at the, on the internet? I'm Arch Play Stuff and I can be found at all good retailers under Arch Play Stuff. And Drongo. I'm Bloody Drongo. You can find me on Twitch as Bloody Drongo. You can find me on uh, Twitter if you want to subject yourself to that 
as at the bloody drongo and on all other platforms i am bloody dot drongo you can find me blind irl at just about anywhere uh, as blind irl um and if you want to follow me on a social media platform to get pictures of my garden when i spam them out into the ether i recommend doing that on mastodon at uh blind irl at mas.to um and uh yeah, you can just find me on uh, your favorite uh, provider of the Fediverse from there. I'm also on Blue Sky now, but nobody's on Blue Sky, so that, that doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, uh, this has been the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. Uh, if you want to get more episodes of this podcast, you can do that at halcyonfrequency.com. The intro and outro music that you're hearing at this point probably are was provided by Peter Pohl and Paul Mile. And uh, if you would like to discuss this episode of the show or get in on that game jam or anything, we have a community Discord, which can also be found via our website, halcyonfrequency.com. And uh, if you can't find episodes of this podcast for some reason, please tell me and I will make it reappear in the location that you're used to finding them. And if you really like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. I I know it's difficult to do, but uh, iTunes reviews actually do help boost this podcast. And it's been a very long time since we got our last review. Um, And... uh, trying to think i'm probably forgetting something oh yeah new episodes go up every sunday and uh, until next week don't touch that dial this is halcyon frequency signing off